0: You're listening to Fakeologist Audio Chat. This is a new and exciting way to communicate with fellow fakeologists from all over the world. Each day we compress and post the day's audio into a file that can be big or small. Discover new voices and ideas that talk about media fakery like you never did before. Please search for Fakeologist Audio Chat and Fakeologist Main Show on your favorite podcast app. To connect to our always-on and always-streaming audio chat, go to fakeologist.com forward slash audio chat. To listen to the live stream, go to fake forward slash radio 2. Now, on with the audio chat.
1: How everybody, this is um, an ounce of salt today and calm. I'm so calm, happy to hear you, yeah. CCK. And we are, Ken has obviously decided that he needs to, um, I oh, thought it should be said to yeah. the world, yeah, or interview people. Ken normally interviews people, really. Hey. An You're an interviewer, aren't you, Ken? You're you're like the the um david frost I more the, uh, than,
2: I know than i want to say how
1: about that
3: is is there is there any possible way for ken to try not to interrupt people
2: yep ken? Uh, that is i'll get off right now
4: no 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 i'm not i'm exactly not, tell- well. I'm, I'm oh, not tell- ken stop it stop it all of you Yes, there is a possible way. I'm I'm deadly serious. There is a a possible way for him to do this, and he will do so, okay? Brother. Continue.
5: We interrupt our program to bring you this important message.
6: Hello, I'm Northern Tracy, speaking from Ireland, and you're listening to Fakeologist Audio on fakeologist.com. What a mouthful.
4: Problem with um with Thomas J too. He seems to have like an extra second lag over everybody else. I uh, mean so, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying
1: Cool Cool um, interviewing star. Myself as
4: well. He always asks uh he sets a premise <laughs> For a day. the question always has a turn I don't see coming. Yeah. So
2: okay
4: just- with
2: speaking to Wow? Wild- in truth, but I'm mostly going to talk to an ounce of salt per day. Yeah. And if, 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 you know, mm-hmm. that's there's, there's not retreat, a good really, thing,
4: really solid, I, I will, up. I will bow out. I will. Yeah. Well, here, here's help. what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do to make sure that there is no issues. So yeah. before, before someone chimes in, let's try to give a full, Second of silence, right? That way, we know that we're not stepping on each other's toes. So, a little bit of extra silence in between conversation breaks—that should be all we need, friends. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Calm yeah, card, start, Ken. Start us off.
2: I'm I'm being silent.
4: Well, so <laughs> you 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 brought us in here, sir. Start us yes, off, please. You're the interviewer.
2: If I talk anyway, over other people, I'm I, muted. I, I'm, I don't want I'm, to be here.
4: I'm going to interview you today.
2: Again, he is anyway.
4: asking that in good faith. Please take it in the um in, in how it was offered. There's no, no issues here. Please continue where we left off.
2: If I talk over people and have to be muted, I will leave.
4: You shouldn't bother because with that. You shouldn't bother with taking people. it to the Sir, if you have to be muted, sometimes it's because you just don't have a good connection, and we're not even really hearing you properly. So,
2: well, I would like it much better if it were understood that it was a bad connection instead of I were talking over people.
4: We usually understand that, but the end, the end. I try to be
2: polite. I really consider it important to be polite.
4: I you do. You're you're the nicest dude here. Yeah. But no, an result, ounce of salt day is a nice. Regardless of whether here. it's a bad connection or there's a mistake in, in the timing. So stop worrying about it. Ask yeah. some questions, bro.
1: Anyway, I've got questions of you, Mr. Interviewer Calm Cool Calm Card Ken.
4: Yeah.
1: You're, you're, you're uh, still maintaining your location mystery?
2: Yeah, I haven't said. And. I would rather be thought of for what conversation I bring than where I'm located.
4: I know where are. he's located. Ha ha ha. And I know the dude's name, the other bros name. Well well so
1: but obviously you're gonna respect Ken's. um
4: No, I'm gonna blow up Zimbabwe. his spot right now. He's located in Zimbabwe. He's in Zimbabwe. How you like it? <laughs> right near the beach, boy.
1: Yeah you know that I, I I nearly ended up as a mine manager in Zimbabwe. So so that would have been interesting. This is a story that needs to be told. Well no, it's it's um you know, I'm a I'm an Australian mining engineer and they often recruit um a lot of um Australian mining engineers are recruited to Africa and one of the um roles that I came very close to getting was a role in an iron ore mine in Zimbabwe. That would have been interesting. I think the reason I didn't end up going is because my concerns about security weren't weren't all that uh, adequately answered. Um, But I suspect at the time I have a more um i was more concerned about stuff like that than i needed to be i think the issues are probably exaggerated
4: yeah i you know from what i've heard it's 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 50 50. sometimes those type of things are just a non-issue but when they're an issue it's a big issue usually
1: (laughs) Anyway, I've got, uh, I know plenty of people working in Africa without any problems.
4: Here, here's a funny example. I have a, uh, uh, one of, uh, somebody I know is a, uh, very avid traveler and they said when going to, uh, I'm going to forget the African country. I really shouldn't know which one it is. I want to say just South Africa, but I don't think that's it. Anyway, when this is, uh, they said that this has happened to them before. If when everyone else comes through, it's I think it's twenty or fifty dollars for them to pay the you know visa tax, but for Americans they they want a, just because we're Americans and we can afford it, they want a crisp one hundred dollar bill mm. interesting, isn't it? Yes so I think that's what I would be you know more concerned about is just being a person that's out of place. And um, you know, unreasonable expectations in that regard. Right. So you said you had questions for the interviewer. I'd like to hear them.
1: Well, I, that was my um, that was my main. I was just intrigued about Tim's um, desire to. Well, sorry, I mean, when I said not intrigued, I'm just was checking that that he still wishes to have that level of privacy.
4: Yeah, he said he is located abroad.
2: Yeah. Listening to you earlier, Frank, and first of all, I want to say congratulations on your 40th year anniversary.
1: Amazing. I I just think it's incredible. Thank you. It It is. It is
2: wonderful. And And, your advice was if you want to be married a long time, don't get divorced.
1: Yeah, and, and in, that's entirely the only reason, you know, every single error that you could make in your marriage, I made it, really. So Can I tell well. you a
2: Rodney Dangerfield joke, if you don't mind a little bit of risque?
1: No, I don't mind risque. It's not my... Do you like you know, Rodney Dangerfield? Sorry, before we do that, I'd like to say this. Please uh, understand, listening audience, that the uh, jokes told by the participants here are not necessarily reflect the views of the hearer. Uh, so was my just wife and
2: I, the other day, we were,
1: that was we just were little trying
2: little to fun. make love, and neither one of us could get off. After a while, I said, what's the matter? You can't think of anyone else either? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was actually listening to a... um. It was interesting I was listening to a um a show today on academic agent where where a young oh i guess he was about a forty year old american commentator was talking about how um the destruction of the family unit through you know the the promulgation of easy divorce and and um smaller families has just been so incredibly successful in basically weakening the English-speaking countries to the point where they're now you know just totally uh, incapable of of uh, fighting off the kind of things that are going on right now with you know digitizing people jabbing them you know people have without the family structure and that that kind of way of thinking about yourself you you simply have a kind of self loathing going on which makes it difficult for you to um, respond to threats very well
2: I think you're a very biblically oriented guy, what do you think about the uh, um, commandments that the widows and the orphans should be provided for
4: yeah Hey, uh, Ken.
1: You just roboted most of that. Well, I, I'll, I'll translate it for you. It, awesome. Ken was asking, "What was what are my views about the Bible's idea that widows and orphans should be provided for?" Yeah. Um, and I think uh, if you scratched anyone, they would say, "Yes, of course, widows and orphans should be provided for." And I think there are stories in the Bible where um, men were made to marry, take on a second and third wives, their brothers, wives, and children. Um, if, the, if their brother died in a, or was killed in some are way. Are you
2: referring to the Leverite marriage? Yeah. If a, a man died without having children, his younger brother should marry the widow and bring up children, raise up children for his elder brother
1: yes, but not just that i mean he he also would take on sorry that some in some cases where you know he's the older brother even or whatever it is, and he's already got a wife that he would take on the um the widow of his dead brother as his own wife mm. as a second and third wife, so it's yeah, I mean, I I think that whole um, concept makes sense, but but it doesn't make sense in a world where we think that there are eight billion people, and it, <laughs> you know, so that's this is this is why I, I continually talk about the idea that we simply do not know how to judge good and evil anymore. Because we are lied to, so we don't know what the real circumstances are. We can't make rational decisions if we're, if the data that we've got in our heads is just wrong. And then you're, you're facing a mass of people that believe, uh, essentially that they live in a world which is just a total fabrication of fraud. So far from reality. Um, The
2: last uh, uh, fakeologist recording I was listening to was talking about, if I recall correctly, someone who believed in pre-Adam and talked about humans existing before Adam in thousands of years. And I don't think I got your um, response to that.
1: Well, again, I'm not quite sure... Where where that comes from? I know that there's a lot of confusion about what the Bible says. It and was, so, uh,
2: someone Randolph, William Randolph, or something like
1: that. Yeah, and so there's there is um, because there, I guess, in effective two versions of Genesis. You know, the the second Genesis is has a different emphasis to the first, and the Book of Jubilees has a different version. But essentially, I don't think. Neanderthals existed I think Neanderthals are just the skeletons of you know a thousand year old homo sapiens if you like people like us but, you know you end up just getting bigger if, you, if you're properly nourished if you live to a thousand years you end up being a, a big strong chap in summary so I um look I I personally don't have any issues at all with the logic of the Old Testament of the Bible at all you know to me Grand Canyon was made by a flood um, the fossils that we we find were were creatures that came from um, you know hybrids I guess of 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 angels illegally mating Has with... Has
2: anyone ever discuss with you the Giants? giants?
1: Yeah, well, that's because exactly
2: it's very yeah. much said that there were giants.
1: Yeah, so that that's exactly what I'm talking about. Is the 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 um, I guess um, one particular fellow calls it the Genesis six uh, conspiracy, where he's written a book about it, um, where he, you know, where where a third of the, the angels came to Earth and took wives of called all they choose, and they begat. The Nephilim, who we call the heroes of old, and and some people then say that they're the they're the five hundred titans that grew to enormous size, and the world became so corrupt, the flesh was so corrupt. They, you know, they had hybrid creatures that all flesh was corrupted, and that that corrupt flesh was wiped out by the flood. They're Have the you
2: heard the story that there was um, a connection between angels asking God? to go down to earth and he granted them that wish and this was how this came about and it became a terrible thing if they were allowed to do with free will as humans were supposed to have but angels were not supposed to have and if you gave powerful beings like angels free will um they would become terrible, just just terrible. Have you heard this story? I,
1: I haven't known that. No, no, I haven't heard that. I've only heard that as about the rebellion. Um, well, so we got
2: the rebellion
1: from Milton, right? Um, yes, I think so. Yeah. But there, were, I think there are, I think there are non-canonical books of the Bible, right, that discuss it because. Uh, the Book of Enoch, which is canonical in the Ethiopian Coptic Bible, but and and a book that uh, is well known, um, talks about um, the basically S- Lucifer Satan rebelling and being um, very very unhappy about the fact that God tried to make Satan serve man and bow to man.
2: Can I ask you in your reading what you think is the difference between angelic beings and uh, man? How man differs from angel?
1: Angels have bodies of light, so they are from their fire. What are the four elements? Air, earth, fire, and water.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: The angels are are of fire, and we are of earth. You
2: say earth, like the same as clay, like dust. Thou art dust. Yeah, thou shalt return
1: Yeah.
2: And the angels are energy beings. When you say fire, yeah. or
1: yeah, well, that's what it appears to be. What, what the yeah of a different element, they have light bodies.
2: In the- Appear to humans in the biblical narratives. Yes. Is that an illusion or taking on human form? What's going on there?
1: Taking on human form, as I understand it, yeah. Um,
2: very interesting. Do you think the angels have free will, or only humans have free will?
1: No, I th- well, I think it's clear that angels have. From the books I've read that the angels have free will because they rebelled they left they left their station they left their um their own what would you call their own um, sphere heaven, and came to earth
3: seven heavens
1: there are seven heavens, yes. They left their domain, I think, is the word.
2: Some people translate the word angel as messenger. Yeah. Angelos, messenger.
1: Yeah, I think that's reasonable. So
2: if an angel is a messenger, must that angel carry out the message of God, or could the angel pervert God's message? Could the angel
1: um, change it and... It is actually a fantastic film, uh, if I wish I could remember, that someone put me onto a, long, a while ago. I think it's got, um, well, you know, it's a pretty well-known film which talks about uh, essentially the fallen angels, you know, they're, how they're living in, in Earth at the moment and the the clash that's going on and and the difficulty. They did
2: one with Peter Walk in German. I played Columbo, but it was in German about an angel came down.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's also, a, 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 I think that's a great movie as well, by the way. It so
2: was, I, uh, mid-80s, I think.
1: Yeah, so this other film, uh, I'd have to think of it, but it's a Hollywood movie. Mm. But that's that's well worth looking at. I, I mean, again, I'm really just, what what do I see at the moment? Now, I, I think it's clear we've got an enemy. It, what what are your thoughts? Is it
2: fair when you when you say that you after up, up the, the fanny bumper?
0: Monkeypox. It's the second pandemic, lads. Monkeypox. Juanco. Monkeypox. Everyone's got the
2: monkeypox. Monkeypox. Oh, 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 oh.
0: You're listening to another hour of Fakeologist Radio on Fakeologist.com.
1: Yeah, so before the break, I was saying, I think it's clear we've got an enemy. What do you think, CCK? I
2: agree, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure um, if that's one enemy or multiple enemies or if that enemy has levels. Some of the comments you've left and typed and said indicate that you're okay. Promoting a message. So I just hope I'm not overstepping my bounds in asking you or questioning you about that.
1: Sorry, could you repeat that for me, CCK?
2: So you have been very open and forthcoming and transparent about your beliefs and your intention to spread that. Yes, so I hope it's okay if I question and ask and test and probe of course in good faith yeah of course so So one of the ideas I've heard is that uh, you will have an accuser the idea of a Satan is not it's not a a terrible uh, devil who's going to drag you down to hell it's someone who's going to to ask you questions and draw you in, and then as soon as you give the wrong
1: answer, will be a witness to you at your judgment. Yeah. So I think that um, well, that is the biblical message that we have an accuser, and that accuser is very unhappy because he is now trying to demonstrate to the creator how inadequate we are. And he cannot understand. He's, his grief, I think, is that the creator is raising man above, or a raised Adam originally. He probably doesn't raise us above him anymore, but he raised Adam above him. Okay, and so Satan... Do you then think
2: chose- angels are jealous of the creation of man, that angels... You know, serve God and praise God, and here's man uh rebelling and you know causing problems
1: uh, it was originally it was satan that was that was the story as i understand it and again mm-hmm. my i don't think anyone's going to call me a biblical scholar i spent a i just spent a lot of time doing it, but this is my understanding, and for people listening if they have a different understanding. Love to hear it, but my understanding is that um, that uh, Satan was really cheesed off about this thing, and that's what caused him to rebel. And he then showed, he then was able to show God just how pathetic we were, when with just a simple trick he was able to convince Adam. Well, he he convinced Eve, but Adam. Was the one that committed the sin by doing knowingly eating the fruit. You know, he disobeyed the Creator and he showed Satan, then showed the Creator just how flawed we were, how weak we were. And he is continuing to do that, and that's what his job has been. The book of Job talks about that same thing. The whole story is about. Satan demonstrating to the Creator over and over and over and over and over and over again in everything that 's happening right now. okay perfect example is you know how bamboozled are people about the jabs. they go off and you know bre- break the commandments just by that thing alone they or you know some buildings are pulled down, no one 's harmed, and people pick up the guns and are prepared to go off and kill people. Again, breaking the commandments.
2: Do you take story as allegory or do you take it as literal fact?
1: Well, I'm taking it as literal fact.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the reason I do that is because the only book I've found that describes how the world really is, you know, that it's flat, it's got a dome over its head and it's um, it's on four pillars and the only the only reference i've I've picked up that makes any sense at all is the Bible. Everything else is you know obviously just a flim flam of lies
2: so and again, of you a, that the Bible we read is in English like if we read the King James uh, version of the Bible, it's translation
1: no look i'm i'm i I feel. I feel blessed that I can read it at all, to be truthful. You know, if it wasn't English, I couldn't read it at all then, could I? If it was in, you know, my Hebrew is, I know a little bit, but only stuff that I'm picking up from using Strong's Concordance. Um,
2: Would it behoove someone like you or someone listening to learn Greek and Hebrew?
1: Yeah, I think so, yeah. And there are people that do that. I think Greek and Hebrew are, are essentially the same language. They have the same structure, as my understanding. Mm. So I think once you learn one, the second one is easier to pick up. Yeah. yeah. And Aramaic, of course, would also be another one too, which is strangely disappearing, even though it was up until recently one of the a very widely spoken... It's just not spoken, is it, these
2: days? It's just not spoken.
1: Yeah. But its, it's disappearance is quite recent, though, I think. Yeah. There are still people that speak Aramaic in the world.
2: Mm. You know, Misom she sometimes says the earliest Bible goes back to, was it Crete, Crete or Cyprus, one of those Greek islands? Yeah. Um, do you ever look into the earliest texts and where they were?
1: Yeah, my understanding is that these texts are Aramaic. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, well, in fact, an article article I I picked up recently said that translations from the Hebrew are a bit um, corrupted because they corrupt the timeline. The Jews, well, the Pharisees apparently, um, there was the whole lineage. Um, I think um Afanaxas or something, they're his children. The, the, basically the, the the Jews are claiming that um that who was it? That um Ham was alive at the time of Moses. And okay. they do that the by his, Huh?
2: Ham, the son of Noah.
1: Yeah, I've got, mm-hmm. to, I've got to. I've got to try and work that out. Remember that exactly, but essentially, um, what it means is that to do that, they have ascribed a, that they where the Aramaic text says that various people had children at the age of a hundred and thirty. The Jews are saying in their translation that it was at the age of 30. And so that removed about 800 years out of the length of the Bible. So that was a fascinating thing to find out. And this guy is essentially saying that that is probably because they are trying to discredit um, the story of Jesus Christ being um, a prophet from the right lineage. If
2: someone claimed in the past that people lived to... 100, 170 200 or so years how would you argue against that
1: I would agree that the people lived in it I wouldn't argue against it am I misconstruing your question
2: no I mean like if they said that um, Abraham died at 175 years yeah I don't know that I could prove it or disprove it. If they said that, um, you know, Noah lived for centuries. I don't know that I could prove or disprove it, except for all the hoaxing and saying. Well, I don't believe there was a Noah. That's right. Yeah. That uh, ninety years old, someone circumcised himself, and a hundred years old, he was a father. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And. You know how do we pronounce their names, and you know who do they represent? We don't, we don't, we don't know any of this stuff. These are the these are the stories that are presented to us, and the question is, um, how does it help you understand the situation right now?
2: That's a very good point. That's a very
1: good. Point. And all all I am finding is that those stories help me understand and and if you like cast a uh, a filter about the events that I'm witnessing today each day and and I'm finding that model to be very helpful in that regard you know I'm trying to understand why someone why a group of people are doing horrible things.
2: You think it's possible that they're telling us they're doing those things, but if they don't do it to us personally, that it could be fear porn?
1: Well, they. my understanding is that they don't do it to us personally. They are, We are being deceived into doing it to ourselves.
2: Mm-hmm. I assume you have not taken an injection. I, I've not taken an well, injection.
1: Of course, I, I don't uh, disclose my private and personal oh, information publicly.
2: exactly. Very good. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I've uh, talked everyone's ear off, including yours. I appreciate very much the conversation. Maybe someone else would like to talk.
1: Well what what are your thoughts on the way that I go about I'm I'm interested in, in how what you what you think about the these because I, I don't I I very, write book, but I don't get a lot of response to it. I don't get response. I very much
2: saying. like and respect you an ounce of salt per day. You are oh, thank you. one of the people that I most listen to and thank most you. agree with. And the reason is you speak from the heart. I am sure you are genuine. And I trust that. I don't think you have any other than what you personally
1: believe. Well I'm gonna say so, I'm gonna say so, i try not to believe anything. <laughs> and if I'm if I'm no. giving the impression I believe things I apologize to that because I, I really, it's difficult. It's difficult to not believe things. It's very difficult to not believe things, but I think it's important to. Um,
2: I say to, this in the best way, you're a man, yeah. and you're a man who says what he thinks and believes what he says. You're not here to deceive people. And I find no, it no, most
1: trustworthy. Thank you. I, I I certainly don't try to deceive people and but you know the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I am um, Yeah, I you know I can only pray that the things I'm saying are actually helpful to people and not harmful.
4: Do you know what to do if you're going through hell? <laughs> no. Keep keep keep
1: going. <laughs> keep listening to Frank. <laughs> Well, so, you know, again, I don't, the concepts of hell, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, you know, we're brought up in a, in a kind of a very false idea about what the Bible actually says. Because it, if
2: I understand you correctly, Frank, you believe Gehenna is temporary and you will go there for a bit until the resurrection.
1: That's right. That's a, sorry. When I say that's what the Bible says, the Bible actually, you know, there is, there are, there are a couple of levels of, uh, of, the underworld. There is an underworld, and Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus went there for three days to talk to the, 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 the sleeping soul, the resting souls there, to explain to them what was going on. Fascinating. Stories that we, you know, stuff that i never heard about. And, and I was, you know, my mother was a strongly devout Lutheran, church church attender, and I regularly attended church as a child. Never did I hear any of this stuff. And hell has become such a, a, a loaded word, hasn't it? Oh, hell. You know, it's just, it's, it's not that kind of place at all. It's a place where you sleep. Very interesting. Was, how uh,
2: he knows about the Catholic teaching? Maybe he went to Catholic schools.
1: Well, we—I think we all go to Catholic schools. I think Catholics totally dominate the education system, one way or another. Now Jesuits are probably running the the whole Victorian education system. I had a a Jesuit uh, chemistry teacher, even though I was at a secular school, a, you know, a state school. Um, and that, that that same man then run up, went on to write a lot of the textbooks for for the state of Victoria. Yeah, but I've, as I said, I've just found the thing that I found the most interesting as I've got older is the difference between, if you like, the ideas that I had about what being a Christian was and what the model of the world was and, and how, how the Bible actually does say it. That's just been the last four or five years the most mind o- mind opening thing for me. Yeah, so thank you for the you know I thank you for the, the time to, to express um, talk about these ideas, Ken. I really appreciate it. I
2: appreciate it too. I didn't want to. Sh- Check out um, Truth I Am or Wild or anyone else who's joining. I was apologizing for monopolizing the conversation. Truth I Am or I don't know who Sting is. Sting is in the conversation. Anything to say?
1: All right. With this deafening silence, I suppose I better go and watch some mindless TV. Yeah. Uh happy fortieth anniversary.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And um I hope to speak to you again. Always a pleasure. Yep. Thank you Thank so you. much. Good night. All best. Good night. Truth I am. Did you go to
3: bed or something?
2: Uh Frank Frank uh, he went to bed. I'll bother him enough. Yeah, no what time time is this over in? there. Yeah, he's
5: back. <laughs> he was back. Yeah. All
3: right. Here we are. This is my wife. This is a is uh, beautiful
2: Serenity 320.
3: It's my wife. Her name is Christina. Oh, is she
2: beautiful?
3: I mean, what do you have to say about that? What did he say? 100
4: less than 420.
6: Say that one more time. Sorry.
4: He said 100 less than 420. All right, one more time. He said 100 less. Hi, this is John French. This is Mizo.
2: Joe from Atlanta. Joe mama. Gaia.
4: I'm Buck It's me. You're listening to Fakeologist Radio at
1: fakeologist.com. Well,
5: happy belated
4: and early birthday.
5: Thank you. (laughs) Oh,
4: wow. Happy birthday every
2: year.
3: (laughs) Did did you know that... uh, did you know that celebrating your birthday is a pagan tradition?
2: The J-witnesses have entered the chat.
3: <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So I'd like to welcome Beautiful Serenity 320 to the Fakeologist server. Thank you,
4: Beautiful Serenity. Yes, and, and welcome. I've heard that that guy, Truth, I... um. Truth, I am is a big troublemaker. So if he gives you trouble, I'll happily ban him. Let me know.
5: Okay. Oh, jeez.
4: Oh goodness. He's, he's got Wait. a
2: heated balcony. He can go out on if He's on the dog couch.
3: Oh my gosh! Stop exposing me, Cal- calm guard.
2: <laughs>
3: Hashtag exposed. Actually, I'm going to go to Triple my heated entendre.
2: balcony right now. Triple on exposed.
3: Yeah. Anyways. Uh, calm card. I was going to ask you why you you felt the need to ask Frank those questions about uh, his biblical stance. No, no personal.
2: He called me the interviewer, so interview I must.
3: Uh, okay.
2: Okay. And... I love, I love drawing out Frank's ideas.
5: Yeah, he's definitely...
2: You know this uh, new language, Stan? I'm not up on the young people's uh, hip words, but you know the word Stan?
3: Stan? What about it?
2: Stan. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I'm a ounce of salt per day, Stan.
3: I'm not sure if I'm really understanding. Yeah, I don't know what word. S T A what?
2: So Stan is apparently a stalker fan. I'm not really stalking him, but I'm a fan.
4: Oh, because stalk- I'm a
2: fan. fan. It like I'm it. a stalker fan. I'm a Stan. <laughs>
3: That makes absolutely no sense to me. I do
4: apologize.
3: Well, okay. he's just
4: saying that he 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 follows Frank around like a little puppy dog, kinda. Oh,
3: yep, uh, I see. Yep, yep. Okay. okay.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks for the layman's terms. <laughs> Appreciate it. Anytime.
2: Wow. Well, well, what's a, what's an example of a non-person here who's a stand?
4: Of a what? Who's a stand?
2: a stand like not in our so milieu.
4: what uh, a what person
2: not in our milieu but a stand outside of our of our scope
4: hmm. okay it would be maybe like a girl that screams at a concert at the top of her lungs at a uh at a male artist right uh, so they're a little bit too happy to be there they pay a little bit too much attention to what the guy does they're really just a fan but if they were a normal guy walking down the street it would definitely seem like a little bit stalkerish.
2: yeah when Frank is the conversation I screech and squeal and have trouble keeping control of my bladder jumping up and down
4: uh, you, you know what that's good for <laughs>
2: Give me two bucks and I've
4: been on the bus. You know, I'm surprised it's uh that affordable, but very good. <laughs> not not that affordable. You know, we go over to here.
2: Baltimore and just do it on the street, right?
4: Hey, I mean you know, I think they're all free in the cities now. In Baltimore? I mean I think D C and Baltimore. Baltimore Philadelphia all have free buses, don't they?
2: Speaking about
4: uh, public urination. <laughs> oh, um, you know that that is you can do that at no charge for sure. is <laughs> said that
3: that's a, at least a misdemeanor, maybe a, fe- a felony?
4: I don't think if yeah, you if luck, you if luck. you don't zip up if you don't like take it out and you just pee down your leg, I think it's uh legit legit legal. Yeah, but what I'm talking about peeing on a wall. Well, if you you just lean up against the wall, you're all good. You just can't win no. out. No, I'm not talking about pain and <laughs> your pain. I know I'm being contrarian. I got it, bro. Yes, I don't think I don't think this is fake.
2: Oh, what a what a terrible uh, segue. Yeah. So oh, let's talk
4: day.
2: about the other people here. Beautiful serenity is probably. Wanting to go to a more beautiful, serene place.
3: Yeah, it's pretty quiet.
6: We now talk about anything, so it doesn't really have to be anything calming. It's fine.
3: (laughs) (coughs) Yeah, like I said, we were just getting over... What was the best thing
6: thing this
2: week for beautiful? Say it again. Best best thing that happened this week.
6: I got new Christmas pajama pants for work. That was good though. That
4: was good. You know, pajama pants are legit. I have taken yeah. to wearing scrubs most of the time now and I feel like I'm mm-hmm. doing pajamas twenty four hours a day.
6: Yeah, I would
4: imagine.
6: I work for Old Navy, so all the pajama pants are in for the holidays, and we get to wear them from now until Christmas. Part of like advertising, but it's nice because it's cold out, so at least you can be comfortable while you're at work.
4: Indeed. So, um, yeah,
2: truth,
4: truth. Did you, um, was there something that you wanted to move on to of a different topic? Well, I mean, I guess we we could bring it up later
3: if you guys want to ask her some questions. I mean...
4: We don't have to interrogate her first. She can just wade her way in. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's going to get interrogated no matter what. At least... By
2: in past, um, this interrogator is going to log out some
3: I wasn't talking about I wasn't talking about the uh interviewer but I I was talking about Oh,
2: interviewer and interrogator. Excuse.
4: No. They're they're two different words. Okay. That's right. Yeah, he wasn't referring to you, Mr. Mr. Compton. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was actually talking about Don't say um, it. Don't say it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we're yeah we're not bringing
4: up any names right now. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to go well. You blanking, blanking, blanking. I was just going anyway, to say.
2: why want to talk about the blankety blanks?
4: I was talking um, about the person's blanks blanks. Yeah, the blank in his blank. Hmm. Yeah. It's obvious.
3: Anyways, moving along. Here on fakeologist.com.
2: Fakeologist.
3: dot Fakeologists, Dotnet.org. Actually, she's already talking. She, she spoke to uh, Gaia and she spoke to JLB,
4: and uh, the conversations went pretty well yeah um, I believe I was on a call where we had a relatively long chat with her. She's wonderful, yeah, she was talking about my name
3: yes, that one, yeah, what were you guys talking about again?
4: You had some. You had something over to the, um, the jab way, I believe, or um, excuse me, the um, the new event truth. I think that was it. Oh, it's
6: the Bernstein Bears conversation that also turned into a conversation.
4: Fakeologist yeah, is a no Mandela effect zone. Fakeologist <laughs> is a no Mandela effect zone.
3: <laughs>
4: this is a bumper for the
3: bumper. <laughs> Any, no, topic. I was. Actually, <laughs> I was. I was actually talking about uh, her and Gaia's conversation. I think they were talking about. Uh, who were you guys talking about? Remember Gaia? Yeah, you
6: have to remind me what we were talking
3: about, though. He's the guy that lives in Colombia, I believe. Um, you were talking about what kind of person you were. Hmm.
5: I think I remember.
3: Okay. You think you remember? Alright. Well. What about I mean,
6: I've, I've talked to so many people through you that I get confused, so that's why I'm trying All to right. remember. Well but when you spoke he, to,
3: when you spoke to John LeBond, you were talking to him about the Joker.
6: Well I remember him because his voice is very distinctive, so like his, I remember who he is easily. Yeah.
3: Is Daya have yeah. an accent? Yeah, he does, but I don't think it's from... It's not a Colombian accent. It's not where he's from.
2: i an impression of the accent. Sorry? Can anyone do an impression of the accent?
3: Uh, definitely I'm not, the- man. Oh, dear. Definitely
2: not, man. I can't. Beautiful I mean- serenity. What it sound like? What, did, what no.
6: did the person sound like? Is that what you're saying? What did John LeBond... Oh, John LeBond. Uh, he just he. My, I have trouble remembering people's like names. So if you have something distinctive about you, that I can pick up you know, and there's just something about his, I believe he's Australian, right? His accent um, well, just reminds me of like, I don't know, I'm going to sound stupid, but he kind of reminds me of like someone who would have been on Sesame Street, like one of the adults talking to one of the Muppets. Like his voice is that distinct to me. So... It's like I can place him somewhere and I, I like know who that is when I hear his name. Cause in it, like I match it to the voice. But with Gaia, I'm trying to retrieve the, uh, the voice. Yeah. And what we were talking about. You mean talking about like, like what I, how I function as a, as a human?
3: Yeah, basically. But, (laughs) but I I also remember specifically. I am.
2: I'm dying. What? I said, truth. I am. I'm dying
5: here. Why?
2: Yeah, I've been trying not to not to do them Uh
3: oh. Yeah. I would. It's probably best you don't. Yeah. I would seek permission first.
4: Absolutely.
3: Best I know. Oh,
4: you have 100% permission. That's for sure.
3: Uh,
4: Oh. card. can you do an impression of me? It's still probably best you don't, at least what you were thinking, LOL. I got nipples, Greg. Can you milk milk me?
2: (laughs) That's all right. He's listening to it. I think so.
3: All right, you're on to something. He's on to something. All right.
2: On the bomb here? What do you think? Let me know in the comments. The I,
3: don't, I don't know what what we're talking about exactly, but... I guess I could just go ahead and lead this conversation into something else. then I was thinking uh uh on not a live stream um about how there's a possible connection with f- the father of the Colorado springs killer um like a similar connection to the father of the aurora killer uh who was uh in relation to the libor scandal the colorado springs killer's father was a ufc fighter and his uncle is also a california representative in politics do
2: you believe
3: what they tell you in the
2: media though
3: Yes, but you, you don't. You don't believe that his father, the father in the Aurora, was a part of the Libor scandal. Should
2: I believe that? Why would I believe that?
3: Yeah,
4: yeah, sure.
3: I'm not saying it. I'm not saying you're wrong.
4: Well, let let's take it for what it's worth. Let's say that it's truthful both times. Fabricated both times, I think we're kind of faced with the same connections and the same questions yeah
3: they're they're the they're similar questions I mean they're not the same exact questions, but they're similar questions
2: all well, times says it right look at it on both sides and then shoot it down both sides,
4: yeah. Well, ask the question again, Truth, because I'm not sure if you're waiting for an answer, if there's a question there.
3: I I just think that there was some kind of connection similar to the Aurora. I'm not saying it's an exact connection, but I'm saying... Oh,
4: sure. I mean, there's always, like, you know, the rhymes of history and the rhymes of events. So what um I'm... what was the for, what is the, the similar event again so it's a, uh, they're both connected how
3: okay they're not connected the, the the libor scandal is is the aurora i'm just saying the father is a ufc fighter mm-hmm. and the and the uncle is a california representative
4: okay and how does that connect to the other shooting or event I'm just saying there's a relation, just like there's a relation f- for Aurora. And what was the the similarity of Aurora? The,
3: I don't think you're quite understanding. It, it's, it's, there's no relation to the stories. I'm
4: saying that the, the father knows things. And why, why is that similar to Aurora? Did the father know things there? Yeah, I, the, the father uh, had something to do with the LIBOR scandal. Okay, so this, this guy is uh, the current event. This guy is, uh, has a relation to a representative, and back there it yes. was a rep, uh, relation to banking. Yes, indeed. You know, ain't, ain't it always funny how the, these patsies or people involved with this are always you know part of the power structure already, and they're not just some guy off the corner? Yeah, it's not just some guy. Yeah, there's some kind of connection with something after the break.
3: I'm Broken Locks from Christchurch. DD from Portland. Jungle Jim.
1: Razma Jeff. Good Kelly. Adam from Florida. You are listening to Fakeologist Radio at Fakeologist.com.
2: Gentlemen, I appreciate the conversation. I should say, uh, my adieu. Thank you so much.
4: Yes. Thank you. Until next time, Mr. Ken from abroad.
3: So what, did you have anything to say in regards to that?
4: Who, me? Yeah. You know, what I already said, it's always interesting how there's a previous, you know, relation. Um kind of like these people are already part of the play and they're just playing a different part this time. <laughs> yeah.
6: I think entitlement plays a part because I can't tell you stories I've heard from people that I know who are in some sort of power, you know, whatever that means, whether it's daddy is a CEO, someone's like, you know, politics or whatever, and it's just this, like, get out of jail free card. Because like a lot of times those things will work if you get pulled over and such. But I just feel like there's also this disillusionment of a sense of entitlement to. Do what they did. Uh, and thinking that somehow they're just either going to get let off or they'll claim like insanity or. I don't know. It's just sometimes I feel like, like you're saying, like it all, it all relates in some way, shape, or form. It all ties back to something in the common denominator. But, it
4: ties back to the all, all in the same club. Right, 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 right. Yeah,
6: exactly.
3: Both of them did claim insanity, or or, yeah. or um. Well, the guy's going to claim insanity, and it all starts with uh. Colorado Springs shooter uh, claiming that they are non-binary.
4: It all starts with that. Hey, cut off your dick, you're a hero. Ask to get your arm cut off, they'll put you in, in a rubber room. Yep, exactly.
3: So, I think there's a pretty good chance that that um, he's going to win his uh, legally insane.
6: Well, they also gonna... have lawyers that are like extremely well trained to make their happen. Yeah, you know, the training
4: of the lawyers doesn't matter. This is all a fix from the get. Well, right. um, yeah. You know, one of the. Um, I don't like a lot of the stuff that he does because I think it's. You know a lot of um bullshit but uh miles okay. mathis has done some pretty good breakdowns on trials and mm-hmm. what we what we actually see in like the larry Nasser trial or uh the rittenhouse trial they are not even close to the way the same courthouses actually hold real trials it's all mm-hmm. bullshit for a few days yeah makes
5: sense
3: so
4: what's what's the difference you said So you know, I can link it. I'll I'll go grab it and put it in the show notes. You you have to read the one about the gymnastics. Uh, I think I think it's Larry Nassar. I might be using the wrong wrong name, but it was the one about the American gymnastics trial about how he molested four hundred girls or whatever. The doctor or the the gymnastics coach. Just when you when you look at the the trial in totality, nothing makes sense. Like, um, you know, it's the whole procedure is out of order like they you know they're doing things that wouldn't happen in a trial i'm I'm trying to remember off the top of my head give me a second it shouldn't be hard for me to pull it up and i can go over it real quick
3: no problem yeah i'm starting to believe that almost all of these um inside jobs have that same Uh, Correlation. I'm not saying that every single one has like a banking story or a a government story. I'm just saying that they're connected in some shape or form to those kinds of things.
4: Yeah, I mean, all the everybody in on this is essentially an actor. Everybody that's in, you know, in the government, in banking. Like, here's a question: Do you believe in billionaires? I don't. Hmm. Why is that? I mean, why would you believe it? So Elon Musk says, I have a billion euros. Rothschild says, no, you don't. (laughs) You know, if if anybody's allowed to be a billionaire, it's because the people that have the banking keyboard allow them to be. Yeah. So, you know, yes. it's not it's at the behest of the control structure that they're allowed to play billionaire. But at any yeah, given, at any given moment, like let's say it's, you know one guy is a billionaire. You don't think some corrupt police could just put him in jail and take his shit? Sure they could. You know, the reason they they don't is because he's allowed to be there. You you think that Elon Musk decided
3: to wear that uh Baphomet um costume for
4: no reason. I mean Elon Musk is his dad is a uh is a, you know a diamond miner and he's a part of the generational um you know control structure. His it was in you know his his grandfather was also yeah. in on it just like he is.
3: Yeah it sounds like a similar story
4: to Trump it's it's all of them, man. They don't they didn't just like walk into it. Yeah, it was it was in the family already. All right, so I'm looking at this this uh, post. There's two of them, and you know, again, I I think Miles Mathis is a plant or or you know, running an operation that this website is. But there's a few things that he does well, and that's you know the basic breakdown of what's wrong with some of these trials, which is they're. Preposterous, they really are. So, yeah, it's um, Nassar, uh Larry Nasser. All right, so he, he, you know, that guy itself, he's pointing out contradictions. Um, so um, for instance, okay, here's a good example. So, um, we are told 156 victims spoke at the trial while Nasser sat and listened on the witness stand sometimes hiding his head in his hands or wiping away tears with the tissue. So you're probably seeing real trials, or at least on TV or in the movies. Does the accused sit in the witness stand while the others give testimony? No, they don't. The accused sits at the defense table with his attorneys, doesn't he? and the only people who sit in the witness stands are witnesses. So, he's not even seated at the right spot. 156 people would not be giving testimony in front of him. They would have done off-site dep- depositions with the lawyers. If, you know, it was backwards. If, well, okay, but well, that piece was. So, let's let's keep going here. Okay. You know, and if you're know, 156 witnesses, you don't need that. It's nobody would ever do that. They just said it happened. Yes. You know, yeah, so
3: it's, it, it's probably a Guinness book, a world
4: record. Um, yeah, if it ever happened, but it doesn't. Yeah. OK, so, um, you know, in a real trial, the defense attorney would have the opportunity to question any of these girls who spoke as witnesses for the prosecution. And the first thing you would ask is, if what you say is true, then why didn't you file charges or at least join the lawsuit? Because these are just testimony from the girls; they're not, you know, actually part of any other other lawsuit. And he would have to do that 156 times. I mean, um, you know, it, it doesn't stand to, to muster that this was done in the allotted time. And it gets it gets better.
3: Yeah, I'm just I'm wondering
4: how long that uh, trial was. Yeah, you'd so have I mean, you'd have to go back and, and see, but there's a lot of other. problems getting to you know I'm halfway through the paper which a lot of it was just set up so hold on here yeah the judge judges a little fishy for this trial and so when we get into um you know the actual where they're seated and how the rest of the trial goes it doesn't really make sense like all right um one of the fathers tried to attack him in court Oh yeah, how did that go? Yeah, so when you look at the um at the paper, I'll re I'll read this read this paragraph. So for more theatrical shenanigans, we find the big story about one of the fathers attacking NASA in court. I encur- encourage you to watch it since it's entertaining if nothing else. However, it is not the least bit believable for many reasons. One, we see NASA's attorney face him down at the table, that is highly unlikely, seeing as the guy. Uh, Randall Margraves, who's the dad, is about 6'4 and 230. Fortunately for Nasser, his attorney, um, looks like a UFC heavyweight. And he does. He's about the same size, you know. Um, a lawyer's not going to usually come to your self-defense, but this guy, um, looks, he looks ripped up and has a buzz cut like he's military. The guard, like you said, the guards also look very prepared for this event to defend him. And I'm looking at the, the father. It's like a half-hearted attempt to jump the table. So, um, why was father that father standing there in the first place? You know, that would be why would they like, hey, this is somebody who might want to attack, uh, the defendant. Let's bring him close, right? Why would that happen? And this is part of the how the trial just didn't follow, uh, procedure. So, he was, he, hold on, I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting there. So um, why would he be allowed to make a statement before sentencing? When are victims' fathers allowed to make public statements before sentencing? You know, dad is wearing blue jeans to the court. Doesn't even look like he, you know, is ready to make a statement and in a sweatshirt, which is you know, not really exactly what you'd come to do if you're making a statement. Um, so it, it's not believable that dad was also brought back into court after his arrest to make a public apology, and he was never charged or or detained, why would they film him doing that the same day, basically, he would be in jail if they were going to do anything at all. So he, he comes to make an apology so the police let him go. I didn't know that worked, and so the guy ended up getting 175 years. I mean, is that preposterous? Why don't we give him 300? Why you know, not 120? Are you
3: saying that the 120 is like a key number? No, no, but like, why not 126?
4: You know, they're giving him 175 when there was a 175 oh. victims. So it's only one year per molesting. Oh. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. And so, when you just look at everything in total, it doesn't. It was a fake trial. You know, they don't. They don't have 175 people parade up to tell the same story with no cross examination. But yet we did, so they say. Have you heard of this trial before? You know, I guess I actually... Entity? Oh, I actually watched it, uh, like, kind of live. I, I remember seeing it on the TV when it was happening. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're talking about the,
3: uh, the trial of Larry Nassar, who was a doctor or uh, he was a team doctor of the United States Women National uh, Gymnastics Team. I
5: and remember he,
3: uh, something about that, yeah. And he, I guess, sexually uh, assaulted 265 young women and girls. I
6: think I saw a documentary.
3: There, there's a... 2020 film called uh, Athlete A which is a documentary about the scandal
6: wait hold on sure I don't know if he's the one oh man there was a girl a lady mm-hmm that was—I want to say it was on like Hulu or something—and she talked about being a gymnast for the U.S. team and like talked about how the whole thing happened. But there was something like off about her story for me the whole time, which I think like whoever interviewed her kind of like brought that to the table. I'm like trying to retrieve it. I remember she like blonde hair or something. But, okay, yeah. I kind of, yeah, I'm like remembering some of it.
3: Um. Wild Times, do you know which gal she's talking about by chance? No, I don't.
6: I was, can't remember if it was somehow connected to like Freddie Spears or Tanya Harding or like a cheerleading scandal. I remember it was like it, I don't know. It was just very convenient how, like, certain scandal. Oh, I remember now. It was about, um, the cheerleading team Navarro that had a cheerleader who, um, we'll just say, like, went after some young men. Let's say it that way. Um, and, This woman was a part of that trial. And that's how that all got talked about. Because there was like a. Special like documentary. On the whole thing. So. Which sidebar. Crazy enough. I had found out that Oprah. Was one of the people that got that documentary. Started about that cheerleading team. And she was very supportive of this young man. Who was accused. And is in I think prison now. Because of what he did. So it's just interesting how, like, there's always some sort of common (laughs) enough. Sorry, with a lot of this stuff.
3: Yeah, that's some pretty interesting uh, analysis.
6: Mm -hmm. I'm just... I got a spreadsheet in my
3: brain. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure other fakeologists in here would be interested to get more elaboration on that. Um... Do you remember that girl's
6: name? Yeah, I couldn't look up the documentary. It was on, uh, I think it was on Netflix. I just remembered, like, really diving deep into it and starting realizing, like, um, how there were these doctors who were, you know, like, for the U.S. Olympic Gymnastic Women's Team. And just because they had that title, it's like they had this entitlement to be used in other... Sports with females, uh, and I just kind of realized I was starting to piece together also like the people with the, the money who um, are behind the scenes, like you know, I guess like moving these doctors around. If that makes sense, like, oh, they were on Oprah, they should be safe, you know, like that kind of thing.
3: See, we all know how corrupt. Oprah was. Um still is <laughs> well yeah, still is. I mean, people have dug up a, a lot of dirt on her, so just like just like all these other other famous people. Um yeah. so if so if she's supporting something, um, you know, there's definitely a lot of questions to be raised, whatever she's supporting.
6: Yeah, cause I, I I feel I feel like if I would have, I mean I was a cheerleader for years. I still do stuff with cheer squad, so uh, that's why I was watching the documentary. Um, but then when I did not know that she was, I think she's like a silent producer or something like that with this, you know, documentary series. And then like how this one kid who's now behind bars got like introduced, and I kept feeling like he was like somehow like a paid actor or like I don't know like it just didn't because when you're a cheerleader like you just have a certain you have to have a certain genesis about yourself to be able to like have a whole body land on you to catch that person still look happy at the same time and it was just like he I felt like he was there for like the the um viewing factor like to bring people in because he's like you know so sassy um but there was always something about him that like i just could not put my finger on i didn't care for there was another person on the team that again like didn't really get along with him and that seemed like to be one of the most purest people on the team so it's like you know it just, all, it just all started to make a lot of sense, especially since, you know, Oprah had that school for the girls and whatnot. <clears throat>
5: mm-hmm.
6: So how she seems to always be involved with that age group and such.
3: <clears throat> if, if I'm not mistaken, Oprah was also involved with uh, the Haiti stuff with Hillary.
6: They guided me with PSYOPs. Psychological operations. They guided me with
0: PSYOPs. You're listening to another hour of Fakeologist Radio on Fakeologist.com.
3: Today is uh, Thursday, November 24th. Happy Thanksgiving to anybody who celebrates it. And, uh, I'm here with my wife of almost a year. And, um, this is her first time in the Fakeologist. And we were just talking about, um, the similarities between the, uh, Colorado and the, uh, Colorado Springs and the Aurora and how they're similar yet different. And we correlated this to the trial of Larry Nassar, um, which is pretty insane. The uh, information that Wild Times gave us about how how exactly it was scripted, how it wasn't that it was a very different court trial, and you can see all kinds of twists and turns of how scripted it was. Do you have anything you would uh, like to add? Um after what what we said so far? Beautiful Serenity? Oh
6: I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were talking. Uh, I'm just yeah. trying to look up I'm just trying to look up the uh thing that I'm talking
3: to you about. Okay. Yeah, 'cause uh Wild Time's actually left, but uh he might come back or we might just take off too, but yeah, if you wanted to add any any additional information regarding fakeology and how all all of this is scripted. The only
6: thing I would really say is that um um <clears throat> can't find it i have to i have to rewatch the episode i think to figure it out but um it's just it's a shame how there are people that use something that's so pure and uh, mm-hmm. mark it on it and then uh help others who are not um, so pure in their intentions sneak in with the intent of like never getting caught. So um but and we're in oh in a world where like that just can't happen anymore. So
3: and which particular people are you talking about?
6: Um I mean you can, I guess, it's the word capitalize on anything, really, but um, just, like, like, um, what's it called? Like the book, The Secret, for example, which just really talks about what you put out is what you're going to get back, and, yep. you know, it was really truly meant to just be a tool to help people. And then it's, like, how I'm understanding it is, like, people of this new world order took it as an opportunity to, you know, basically, like, mind control people in a way. You know, I, I knew people that flocked to Barnes and Nobles to get every new piece that was released about with that book and all the journals and all the, you know, um, and so... I don't know. I just, I don't know. Pretty much something like that as an example. or Like, you know, uh, women's gymnastics, you grow up thinking that the Olympians are, you know, the Olympics are this this really cool thing. And these are people that, you know, are uh, like safe to be around, Um, you know, and then you have these young girls and their parents get talked into this or they want that for their kid and they're not really checking into, like, who's around their children, you know? But then they also set it up to where, like, they can't be around their children. They have to trust these people. And then you, that person gets put in a situation when they're told to keep their mouth shut, you know? So it's just a shame.
3: Yeah, I I feel that it's not doesn't just happen in sports, it actually happens in Hollywood, and not just Hollywood, but churches also
6: it happens, happens anywhere. Yeah, yeah that's
3: Politics. what I mean, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, that there's definitely yeah, a correlation. These people that are doing these things have some kind of correlation uh, to the NWO, certainly.
6: Mm-hmm. The only thing that drives me crazy is that for those who have like Doreen Virtue, for one, uh, she irks my soul because I just don't feel that she ever really fully um, took care of the mess that she left behind when she was a part of Hay House. And there were people I know, which now people are coining it as spiritual psychosis. But it's basically people who just fell so damn deep into these rabbit holes of, like,
0: archangels
6: and, you know, um, ascended masters. and, And, yes, it's all there. But it's just, like, they just were so, they absorbed it so much and they bought everything and bought all the courses. So they had, you know, and then there were also these, like, gypsies that were doing it, too, that were taking people's money, like, you know, let me clear your chakras for seven hundred dollars. You know, like uh, geez yeah. And Dorian Virtue's name is attached to it because they would be able to say, "I'm angel, I'm an angel certified reader, and here's my certificate." Like, so yeah, you know, it,
3: it's, I just and it's and it's all a bunch of hocus pocus.
6: So um, I mean, and the thing is, like, um, it just I just watched people get really lost in the sauce. I watched people lose marriages over this stuff because instead of being they forgot the, the person question. that they
3: are, instead yeah. of being in- the person that they are, they, they try and put on a self-image for people and for the people that are close to them, they, uh, they, it's gone too far for them.
6: Well, basically, you get lost in this character that you've created in your head, and it's like, you feel like you now have to, like, be this character, which is a part of how the brain works. Like, people forget, like, you don't, the brain doesn't work for you. It's to be, it's, no, I'm sorry, it's not that you work for your brain, your brain is supposed to work for you. Right. You know, so, Um. but yeah, it was just, it's just, Uh. It's a shame to see like how just something so simple can get turned into something so you know, I guess dramatic and big and hurts people in the end.
3: Well, I think mm-hmm. I think people can be so easily manipulated just just because when when they were kids, they were taught so young uh, the most basic indoctrination, um, because well, they say they say uh, you have to start them w- when they're young, right? Um, that's that's where you teach them. You know, you teach them at a young age, and then and then they'll believe it.
6: Well, the thing is, for me, what I've noticed since I was a kid is the way fear gets. Uh, injected into people so um, and then I also am realizing that like if you I'm not trying to change the subject but if, if someone is promoting meditation for example let's say you come to me and you're like I'm having these really bad dreams and like you know if I don't recognize the patterns of what's going on, what's happening is like your traumas are showing up in your sleep and your brain's trying to suppress it. So that is not a place for someone to just say, just go meditate on that. <laughs> because whatever that trauma is, whatever your brain's trying to protect Perfect. you from. Yeah, you might. This happened to me. You might see something. Everything. And get triggered and be like, holy shit, that's what happened to me. But the problem is, if you have people around you that are not willing to tell you the truth, you're going to go crazy because you're going to feel like you're going crazy. And then you feel like you can't even trust your own brain because of what it's showing you. So it's just, you know, it's like if you want to help people, you've got to be able to understand all the aspects of it before just trying to rake someone's trauma out of their body. You know
5: Yeah. That's like not-
6: I saw I saw on TikTok how if you want to release the tension in your hips, this is a certain yoga position that you do. And I was very upset by it because you you need to understand what that's going to do to your body if you have trauma stored in your hips. So finally people who are extremely well certified in the origin of yoga uh, through the through the root of where it started not just like some class they took from a gym um, and I'm not putting that down wherever you take it as long as it's coming from where it started and that's how you're learning about it um, and how it affects the body people finally started putting out disclaimers of if you do this position please make sure you have a therapist you could talk to somebody that's around because especially like If it's something really deep You're going to feel very alone and vulnerable You know You're cracking open Something that's been Stored in there for a long time God knows what's in there
3: It's been dormant for (laughs) however long
6: It can be Um, dormant In the literal It can be dormant Coming from the birthing process Of how you came into this world It can actually start there
3: yeah, and then uh that leads perfectly into the birthing trauma that uh that uh, JLB has done an excellent job on. Um which we will give credit for where where credit is due. Um I remember you two were talking about that, not just about Joker as well.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's just I just my whole point is that like I know we're stepping into a time where people are going to be made to face the music and take responsibility because it can no longer be swept under anything anymore. You know, there's there's not a human that's alive right now that everybody is fried. Everybody is burnt out. Completely burned out. So it's just a matter of, you know, there's no room for bullshit. Welcome to the age of Aquarius. That's how it works. So,
3: so do you think that these birthing traumas can be somewhat healed? If not completely.
6: Oh, yeah. I mean, um,. It's one of the reasons why it's important to do, let's say, for example, wheels on the bus with your child. You're actually helping them to relieve any burden trauma because of the way you're moving your legs, the way you're getting their hips to move, um, but you're also connecting with them and teaching them sensory. Another thing um, that can really help as well uh, with things like that, like, for example... um, when a child comes out, uh, is, is birthed, however that happens, they, mm-hmm. they need to be within skin contact of their caretaker. And I say that because there are people who were surrogates, there are people who were adopting. So, but um, I think it takes about seven minutes for a bond to happen. Yeah. So imagine that uh, you have been birthed and the mother is having complications and they need to take the baby. To the bassinet because the baby now needs to be under the light immediately right let's say there's like some complications yeah and whomever is holding that child the first seven minutes um, a bond is being created so imagine this baby's being handled by all these different people and it's just wanting to hear its mother that's been in its stomach for nine months you yes. know so that's why if those things, have happened that you cannot help skin-to-skin um, skin is very, very important because it helps that re- that rebonding and that reconnection. So, so
3: that that baby needs direct contact with his mother as soon as it leaves? Pretty much.
6: Yeah, that's one of the reasons why um, I have made the choice to be for skin-to-skin Uh, that would have been uh, Vincent's first connection with the woman that was taking him home because I know that there is an abandonment wound that gets created there and there is absolutely nothing that can do about it it is just what happens but there's a way to soften that as much as possible right you know So, um, but yeah, I think if people were to also understand how deep that wound abandonment and how deep it can go um, and how simple it can actually be, a simple thing, uh, like for me being locked outside during a rainstorm and then getting in trouble when I came back in, it wasn't my fault. So I, from a child of five years old up have a thing about being locked out somewhere and not being able to get back in the house.
3: And that's just an example of one of your, um, traumas as a child.
6: Right. But it took me until, um, doing some intense healing Reiki, uh, with a licensed chiropractor who also is licensed in psychology. And, um, she wanted to try and help me with my breathing, because I hold my breath I used to. Um, yeah. she, so she did something to where she got me really safe, had my stuffed animal with me, and then she placed something over my head, and I snapped. And she was like, and we found an entry wound. You know, so then she set me under, and then I was able to go back to that memory, but I was also able as who I am right now, tell my five-year-old self, it's okay, I can unlock the door. You know, like, I was right. able to make her feel safe. But the weird thing is, I remember being locked outside and feeling like somebody was with me. So, time is linear. But anyway. Yeah. But Yeah. So, I mean... And then so every time I would rediscover something, I would just go back to who I was, comfort them, and then, like, kind of, like, move them away from that trauma so it doesn't constantly replay in my head every time, silently in my head, unconsciously, every time I hear a door shut.
3: Um, I believe that a lot of these uh, fakeologists out here uh, do support uh, home births. Uh, Because, as we stated, it it is uh, detrimental for the baby to have direct contact with its mother. Um, And it's not just that. It's also, you know, your baby being taken away and you don't know what's going on with the baby for several minutes until you see the baby again. And you wonder yeah, what happened. It
6: can be, yeah, it can be really traumatic for the mother because all the mother wants to do is make sure the baby's okay. Can I hear the yep. baby breathe? You know, so because I didn't cry when I came out. I was asleep. And my wow. mom panicked. My mom, abs- they used to restrain women. They also used to knock them out with anesthesia. So imagine what that does um, to the poor mother. And, you know, no wonder why a lot of these women in the 40s and the 50s went absolutely apeshit crazy.
3: After the break.
1: We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hello, I'm Del Croix, and you're listening to Fakeologist Radio on Fakeologist.com.
3: Anyways, it's 5.20 Mountain Standard Time on thanksgiving day uh thursday november twenty fourth uh we were talking about uh birthing trauma and
6: uh
3: um i feel like uh we're we're definitely onto something here
6: mean if i my big brain if you want to go, go all the way back to these shootings and how you're feeling like there's some sort of correlation and things of that nature. I just think that there are, there's a significant, like, uh, almost like entitlement wound that comes from um, abandonment growing up in some way, shape, or form, being shoved to the side, not being good enough. But then there's also like that narcissistic, uh, thing that will kick in where basically like your moral compass just kind of goes away like I wouldn't be surprised if the shooting that happened in Colorado Springs eventually all comes down to this person liking somebody and that person rejecting them and it made them just like go over the edge so um, I mean that's what happened in Orlando if you look up yeah. that remember that shooting that's basically yeah. what it came down to. His, he was married with a beautiful wife, and I think they had a daughter, and he had a secret, uh, life. Um, and because somebody, I think either didn't want to hook up with him or was done with him, and he had some jealousy rage, and he shot up the club, and all these people died.
3: Yeah. One thing I do know about the, uh, Colorado Springs uh was his father was a ufc fighter but uh also um they were uh the father was very religious the father and the mother
6: oh that makes um, a lot of sense and mm-hmm.
3: um they did uh that they specifically said that they were mormons mm-hmm. and um and being gay was not
6: permitted yes. oh, I can only imagine what that kid's been through so basically if this was a club where people go to be themselves and they're happy and these people are just enjoying being in an environment where they don't feel judged you know um, him doing this at a place like that let's say his parents said you know you can't go to that club anymore we forbid you He'll be exiled from the family. He's going to take it out on the club and not because he just wants to be accepted. He's dying to be accepted by his family. That's my opinion.
3: Yes, and uh, and you know th- these things that they uh, they can't be taken literally. All right, th- this is just the story. Mm-hmm. This is just the story. So. You know, you you can't you can't believe anything the mass media says these days.
6: Well, so. I mean, for me, I know the Mormons have been getting a lot of bad rap lately. Like a lot of their stuff's been uh, kind of like Church of Scientology. Like things are being like severely exposed. And of course, like there's the need for gun control. There's the need to protect the LGBTQ. Uh, not so community, I think more just the foundation. I don't really think they give a shit about the community. They care yes. about the money. They care about the money. It's a distraction. So, I mean, you and I watched that one video of the person talking about supposedly being in the club when it all happened, but you could clearly tell like he's a green screen against video that was already shot of this place with the uh, tape, all
3: that. Yes, we're talking so about. That's what this. I'm saying. We're talking yeah. about the supposed worker at right. the Colorado Springs Club. Right. Um, possibly have, well, you're claiming he had a green screen, and, and I'm not saying you're wrong. Oh, no.
6: Yeah, you know, I'm thinking that somebody just cut him out of whatever location he was in and put him in front of an already filmed piece. Mm, <laughs> you yeah. know, and maybe they and, do that stuff to protect that person, but I don't know.
3: I do want to add um me and Ab uh we're talking about integrated capstone events on the day of the shooting um hours before it happened oh. which is pretty ironic if if uh, I would say so
6: mm-hmm. yeah but I, that's what i'm saying too, which is that people are too smart now. People are people are burned out. They're gonna want to know like, is this real or is it not real? I'm tired of being lied to. So I just don't know how much longer whomever's orchestrating a lot of these things are gonna be able to, you know, keep up.
3: Well they've been uh, entertaining the masses for quite a long time. Um <laughs> yeah. But I can tell you every year it seems like more and more people are awakening to the truth. That this this entire realm that we live in is completely orchestrated Mm -hmm. by the powers that be. And I like to think that the uh, Truman Show is a great example of what we're currently dealing with.
6: Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's interesting because uh, I've noticed on um, TikTok the amount of people who uh, are, well, that, sh- that movie's being talked about. But on top of that, um, the Jim Carrey being on Jimmy Kimmel interview and how there's a fake laugh in the background being talked about. Um, same with Dave Chappelle who was just on SNL, who gave an amazing monologue. And you can tell that there are parts where either people are being told to laugh or there's like um, a witch call being played over.
3: Yeah, like a so, like an audio sound. A sound
6: bite. Yeah, like a sound bite. So um, I just love how people are, instead of coming with their swords and shields, they're coming to sit at the table to have a discussion but to not actually like prove people wrong instead they're like open to the perspectives of like it's been in front of you the whole time you know so I and then people are slowly integrating which takes a minute when you're like this has been in front of me this whole time the whole time you know like when you grow up realizing like the bible for example how many stories have been uh Uh, rewritten how there's like the book of Enoch that's not in there anymore and how like you know Mary Magdalene was taken out of a painting and like so it's like you know it's just it's a matter of it's a grieving process you have to actually go through because your old self can no longer exist because now you know these things so you're now a completely different person you think differently now so it's a matter of you know integrating that (coughs) completely (coughs) I think the next thing that's going to hit people with a big wave is the amount of people that are having cardiomyopathy problems because of the vaccine um, especially in men uh, how also they did not test very many women they didn't even track their moon cycles to even see if the jab would affect their moon cycle why would you do that? You know, so all of these women are now having issues, major issues. So it's a matter mm-hmm. of having to realize you've been lied to and now you've got this crap in your body. You know, so and it's just for me, I pray for people and just, you know, you got to have patience because yes, indeed. it takes a minute. It takes a minute. Because then you have to go see, then you start to review your whole life. Well, what else was a lie? You know?
3: Right. Yeah, for a lot of these people that do have the uh, damage, um, it's kind of like a wake-up call for them.
6: Yeah, and uh, to me, the wake-up call is your body, your choice when it comes to stuff like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
3: You know, absolutely. Um, I would like to add, though, that since we were talking about this, that uh, that new documentary that just recently came out called "Died Suddenly," um, which talks about a lot of this stuff about the uh, the deaths that have been happening from the jibby jab.
6: Well, yeah, and people I know people who are in the medical field um, who have been starting to speak out more, um, yeah. even creating TikToks and saying, like, you know, this is what I do. This is what I do day in and day out. And this is what I've seen. You know, these were the people that were helping people keep them alive during COVID, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, I just, you know. I just think that uh, it's all about really like people just need to put their feelings aside and come together
2: sometimes Indeed.
6: you know well, because here's my thing I know that like truthers have been attacked for years but I feel like it's like going to be truthers turn to help people so it's going to take a minute because we're so used to being attacked you know so what I'm saying is like you know how people have figured out how you can uh, cleanse your, your body from any vaccines that might be severely affecting you, um, you know?
3: Yeah, well, some, sometimes these people have to cross the line and and have have to be willing to forgive themselves for the things that they've done.
6: Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. It's almost like help first and forgive later. Sometimes I feel like that's the best way to do it. it's a that, to me, it's like a tower on fire and that doesn't mean you have to run into the building with the water, but you can hand somebody a bottle of water when they come out. You know? And then after they've hydrated themselves, then you can have that conversation. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. I mean... Um, for, for forgiving or um, being uh, having forgiveness for people can take a while. Um,
6: I guess. I guess for me, it's to it's the whole um, recognizing when someone cannot meet you mentally when they cannot meet you mentally it is just not and they are just as much torture as you possibly might be so at that point that's when it's just like you know what This the disrespect is the closure for me and you know forgiveness doesn't mean doesn't have to be like a it's not like a um, I want to say like a piece of glass broke that is that is uh, um, irreparable and it's not like just replacing that piece of glass, you know, that, that vase that maybe was in the family for 100 years. To me, it's forgiveness is just more or less like unhooking yourself from the whole thing and allowing that person to process because you already have and they can deal with it on their own, you know. But that doesn't mean the boundary goes away It's a lot
3: easier said than done, right?
6: No, I promise you Once you show your brain How that works And then the brain goes Oh, oh, that's how that works Oh, I can do that Because it feels the dopamine You get such a serotonin You get such a relief from it It's like, oh god I don't have to think about that anymore because you just imagine unhooking yourself from the chaos. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's like I, I, I get accused of not, of being, you know, I don't even have the words for not inviting somebody to our wedding. Um, but yet the person that's accusing me and coming at me has yet to say to me, but why? Don't you want to invite this person? Because she's not ready for the truth. So once I can, my brain can recognize that, that's how I was able to respond to her accordingly each and every time she came for me. Because I've already unhooked myself from from it all. Yeah. And I have a clear boundary for it. And I'm not looking for anything. Whatever happens, happens. Cause I had to stop throwing salt on the wound, cause that right. wasn't fair to my inner child to feel that every.
3: Right. So. But there, but there will, there will be a time where you will have to overcome the trauma that that you've had.
6: Well, that's what I'm saying. That's where the the someone telling me stop throwing salt on the wound helped me to just. Start to overcome it and then I started to realize like um, a lot of things like why I'm super ticklish in certain places it's because of that trauma um, you know like now that I'm recognizing these things I can work on them a lot easier now without getting so upset about the trauma indeed I can now be more at peace with it and uh, grow from it not really moving on, you know. You can't really move on from certain things sometimes. But I'm right. just, I'm not you know, feeling like I'm constantly be living. If that makes sense. But yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I think any kind of trauma, not just uh, birthing trauma, uh, definitely yeah. does take time to heal. Um, it does. And I I also think that it's not just the people that you sur- surround yourself with; it's also uh, your living space, your your workspace, everything.
6: Absolutely. I mean, it's like it's as simple as keeping your car clean, because it's like your car protects you. But when you have your car, you know, if you got like a lot of trash in it, which happens. But even if you clean it, like, once every two weeks, you know, just vacuum it, wipe things down, like, it's like taking a shower for yourself. And, you know, that's even just, that's even just enough sometimes, knowing that you're getting into a car that feels clean, you know. It's crazy, but, it, you know, stuff like, just small stuff like that.
3: I'm not sure if you ever heard this, but uh there's this thing that me and my buddies would say uh when you look good you feel good when you uh when you play good you win and uh yeah, i think that exactly. i think that i think that applies to this mm-hmm. um you know things can get complicated in your life and uh you know you your your life becomes cluttered and um sometimes it's just best to start off with a new clean slate.
6: well and the thing is with clutter clutter also comes from a way to keep trauma out like if you've ever been in a household where you don't feel safe or there's a lot of yelling and arguing going on and you know different things like that like you're just going to want to clutter up a space to where it's like a booby trap, like you know where everything is, but they don't, so they're not going to come in your room. And that keeps you feeling safe. But in the long run, what starts to happen is your brain, everything starts to feel confined, and then it makes it harder to sleep, and then it makes it like, you know, it's a vicious double-edged sword. Vicious double-edged sword. So if you've had trauma, especially unprocessed trauma that you might not be aware of, and you have a cluttered room, and you decide to clean your room one day and throw a bunch of stuff out, like, you're going to feel great, but then eventually it's going to hit you. And now you're like, oh, crap. Oh, I don't have stuff to keep you safe. You know, forgetting that you possibly are now in a safe environment.
3: And it sounds like a self-fulfilling prophecy is what that sounds like.
6: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, I think it's important to recognize these things.
6: Yeah, I mean, that's something that you're really good with recognizing. It doesn't always...
0: Would you like to support fakeologist.com and all the content we're creating? We operate on the value for value principle where you pay whatever you can for whatever value you feel you've received. We accept donations in almost every form from PayPal to Bitcoin. Please go to fakeologist.com forward slash donate for your payment options. Thank you for your support. But Yeah
3: any anyways yeah I was talking about self-fulfilling prophecies and mm-hmm. um yeah I like I said if if you can I I believe if if you're if you studied self-fulfilling prophecies and fallacies and narcissism um and birthing trauma then you can definitely uh come to the conclusion that you know you are creating this self fulfilling prophecy you know in in your life and you don't even really notice it. I think a lot of these people mm-hmm. don't but it 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 takes a lot of um takes a lot of balls to admit that you're
0: wrong sure. i think well so. i
6: mean i I remember um my parents old house and I lived in the in-laws corner and maybe we were going to turn my old bedroom into like a hair and makeup station so that we could turn it into a side business me and my mom you know um, had it all planned out and I don't know what happened I don't know if someone got in her head I still to this day don't know maybe someday it'll come to the surface but I had bought all this stuff to put all of our makeup and hair stuff organized and all of our crafting stuff like i was making really good money doing um centerpieces for people for their events and like these custom tutus so i needed a space for that and i remember i went to start putting the room together and the door was locked and i was told that i that she didn't want it anymore which didn't make any sense to me so i got so angry that I just threw everything into the living space of the in-laws corner, and I just let everything pile up. I just, I just, I was so mad. And so then I remember Trish came over one time, and she, I was embarrassed by the way everything looked, and she said to me, "You do realize, like, this is, you're harming yourself more than, you're throwing a temper tantrum. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, like, and then she was like, I'm going to come over this weekend and I'm going to sit on your bed and you're just going to start to clean. And I was like, okay. And then I kept it clean ever since after that. Right. But it's like I needed to be called out. But I appreciated it because I could tell that she could tell that I couldn't figure out how to unstick myself. And she was like, there's a lot of tantrum. Sometimes. You don't and you can.
3: Well, sometimes that's all people need, right, is uh, is a motivator, a person to help them overcome it.
6: Yeah, and then once she did that, I literally, and she was like, do you feel embarrassed? And I said, I do. And then my mom came in the room, and her and I, I mean, me and Trish were having a private conversation. She just opened the door and just came in and started talking. <laughs> and after she left, Trish was like, do you want me to buy you, like, an alligator for this moat of space that you have open to get to your room? Like, it was, right. like, it helps her understand why also. So then she said, I want to help you start standing up to your mom. And I was yeah. like, okay. So it was one of those things where I knew I was throwing a temper tantrum, but I had no words because... In order to express how I was feeling, it got me in trouble. So I just learned not to say anything. So, and then after that, I had realized, like, I had a really, you know, pissed off 10 year old self, um, that I needed to basically reprimand. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, sometimes it can take time. Sometimes it can be something immediate if you have the right person um, showing you the way. Which, you know, the person that you had uh, helping you out was essentially the right person.
6: Yeah, I mean, I remember she found something. Just say it was a sharp object. I didn't even know. It was in the room when she was helping me clean stuff up and throw stuff out. It possibly got left behind by a contractor in the closet. Like, who knows? But she literally just took it out of the room. She threw it out. I don't know where she put it. I didn't want to know where she put it. And it's like to have somebody that you feel that safe with is very special. But it's hard to find people like that that just know how to, like, handle things like that for you. you know? Right.
3: Those like kind of she are few and far between.
6: Yeah, like, when I knew she was d- deep in her, you know, wine rabbit hole, I just showed up one day with Chinese food, and I collected all the bottles, and then I just took them out to the trash. And that was it.
3: Sometimes that's all you got to do. yeah.
6: yeah. Sometimes people just need help to clean themselves up because they just can't. Sometimes your inner child's so burnt out, you just can't do it. Right. Especially if that, that wound keeps getting poked by the people that put it there in the first place.
3: Oh, yeah. Tell me about it.
6: Yeah. So, but yeah, she's, you know, and then having to learn how to control like what is a temper tantrum, and what actually needs to be said? that's a whole nother thing too right. like how how to have a constructive argument with somebody
3: yeah you, to have where to, like, you have to know know what you're getting into before you get into it well,
6: I think that's self talk and practice is good. That's been good for me. You know, like if I ever have that conversation with my cousin as to why I didn't invite her mother, um, I have practiced that. I have had different talks with myself. I've had arguments out loud with nobody around because it's healthy. It helps me release it. You know, um, And usually I find that those things happen because I'm going to hear from her or I will hear from her or she'll call my mom and start some shit. So my whole point is like I do that so that I'm not holding on to things that really don't need to be said for when the moment actually happens. And it's only like facts are being talked about because she's going to she's going to. And I've even talked to psychiatrists about this. And these are the tools that they helped gave me that work for me for this particular trauma. Because it's not going to be believed right away. So then I'm going to, they don't want me to start to question myself as if to think I made it up. Cause that's probably going to be her reaction. I have to okay. be okay with her not believing me.
3: Believing, believing that, you.
6: Believing that what her mother did to me actually happened. Oh yeah. 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 Because that's trauma in
3: kids. That's trauma. That's trauma in itself.
6: Right. So I have That's a to, whole different trauma. Right. So it's like I've had to get myself in a place where when she hears it, I actually have to be the adult in that moment. I can't be a kid. Having a reaction
3: And that can be very tough For for
6: people Yeah because of the fact that I do believe that something has Happened to one of her kids as well All the signs are there And she probably knows it So it's like the shock of what Will start to happen to her You know Someone said it's like Me practicing getting all this Heat out of my body about The whole situation um, how, how do I say this it's just so that like I'm grounded I'm solid and it is what it is it's like Jesus talking to Judas to me it's the same idea in a way yeah. of how he was just calm cool collected it was like dude I told you that this was going to happen but you know I got to go do this thing and uh, you know it's good knowing you you know
3: yeah, it's similar, it's, but, it's similar but different. Right.
6: Because in that moment, whether she believes me or not, that is her mother. That is a woman that birthed her. You right. know, uh, knowing that this woman's been alone with her children. Knowing that, you know, so it's like, that's why I've had to learn how to stop for a moment. And it's not all about me because other people... It affects everything. It affects everyone.
3: Essentially, her daughter is taking a blue pill and she refuses to take the red pill.
6: Yeah, Yeah, because if she actually were to take the red pill, that means that, because she's also a closet alcoholic and it's like she would no longer need that to suppress because the truth has now been put on the table. Does that make sense?
3: Could you maybe break that down, like more more in layman's terms?
6: Okay, so like when I when I gave birth, uh, I had a lot of stitches, and they gave me a really high dosage of Percocet. Okay, and. It got to a point where I had a love affair with Sets. We became best friends, you know? Yeah. Um, and I had realized that all I had to say was, I am in a lot of pain. And they were going to start to prescribe me something higher.
3: Oh, uh, yeah. And I had to That's make a choice. That's what they do, right? That's what right. they do, right?
6: I, I had to make a choice. Do I stay on this path or do I kill it now? And deal with the pain, sober my ass up, and and just figure out how to integrate this and allow myself to have moments when I get upset and not want to numb it. You understand? So I decided when the doctor said, do you need anything else? And I said, no, I'm going to be fine. I'll figure it out. And he said, okay. That makes sense. So like,
3: I don't know if that works, but yeah, I I think it does.
6: That's for, that's like in the lightest way. That's the lightest way I feel like I can explain that mm-hmm. in the lightest way. You know, just see, like for me, what if what if my cousin saw something when she was a kid and thought to herself like, that's not right. But just like kind of kept it like her whole world's gonna shift. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm saying like it's like, you know, having to realize like it's not just about me. This is somebody she is my cousin, but this is somebody's daughter. That is her mother. You know what I mean? Right. At the end of the day.
3: Yeah. So well, I I think I think it's important for for you to recognize that that you know that this is like a like a human experience for that particular person to be taking the blue pill and, and refusing to take the red pill,
6: right? Because I'm telling you right now, she knows the red pills on the table, and she has the support. But the thing okay. is, the support that she has is so friggin' pure and put it. Heart, that she knows the one thing that causes her to do what she does and, and the way that she drinks friggin mother but yet but yet she has it's it's the whole it's the whole like label of a mother you know It's right. it's, it's the whole because you that's not what a mother's supposed to do that's not how a mother's supposed to be
3: you You don't you know? want to think of your mother as that barbaric person,
6: right, and it all comes down to covert narcissism how a covert narcissistic mother will strip her child of their character on purpose and so as this child grows, they have very difficult times they can they can emulate narcissism because that's what they new growing up but they actually can't be their own person they don't know how because that was stripped from them because if so, that child starts to figure out that, that mother and we're using the mother as an example but it can be a grandmother it can be a father but if that child starts to figure out that this isn't okay and the way, the way you talk to me isn't okay the way you treat me isn't okay the way you touch me the way you hit me the way you feed me is not okay and they start to question the motives and the the way that this person has raised them, they're going to get caught. The covert narcissist cannot handle that. So they they divert. And they love bomb.
3: So do you think that um, particular people when they're blue-pilled that since they were blue-pilled in such a particular way when they were a child... That there is no way, there's not a chance that they can become red-pilled from a particular situation or red-pilled in general.
6: No, so they can. It is down to this very specific scene in a movie. And do not come for me for this because this is really how it works, okay? The never-ending story. There is the nothingness that is coming, okay? Okay. And you have the childlike empress, and the whole kingdom is crumbling and falling apart, and she's telling the kid, just say my name. All you have to do is save my name, right? And then there's a thunderstorm, and you hear him scream, moon child, which is his mother's name, mother who passed away. And then in the end, she says to him, You have this piece of crystal. This is like your whole world. You can do whatever you want. You can create whatever you want. And then he realizes that everything he thought good that died came back for him. And he had the support. He got to put the bullies that threw him in the dumpster in the dumpster. So it's the whole dark night of the soul towering moment that is scary as shit. Because you don't know what's going to be on the other side of that dark ass tunnel. But it's, it's, that's what it is sometimes. It's the fear of the unknown, of what's on the other side. Especially if you felt nothing but darkness all the time and that good things get taken away from you and blah, blah, blah.
3: Looking at it, looking at it from that frame of mind it does seem like a whole lot more interesting movie than uh mm-hmm. than what than what a trailer would show. Yes. So I mean so maybe I mean, maybe it, maybe you should have promoted the movie.
6: <laughs> I mean I understood the movie as a child. I I got it completely. I still do to this day. I still get it. You know, there's yeah. a great video I saw on TikTok about how say, uh, someone who broke it, broke it down, um, talking about linear time, talking about, like, you create your own world. Like, it's just, it's beautiful. Bastion, that's what his name is, kid, Bastion. But, like, it's just, you know, and the writer and how he wrote everything and how, like, there's certain things taken out of the movie that were in the book, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you know, that's really that's really how it works. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, <clears throat> Atreyu, who loses his horse, that's the symbolization of him losing his mother. You know, um, and then Atreyu having to like uh, <clears throat> pass the phoenixes, and like nobody ever makes it. Somehow he does, and then Bastian realizing like that was him in this character. That's him getting past the grief.
3: So that symbolism is actually pretty nuts, then.
6: Yeah. And Falcor, I think, is supposed to represent his mother. Kind of like Littlefoot in um, uh, A Land Before Time, with the leaf and his mother, you know, kind of like stuff like that.
3: The leaf being uh, some kind of memento, right?
6: Yeah, because they were running out of food
3: <coughs> after the break. <clears throat>
0: You're listening to another hour of Fakeologist Radio on Fakeologist.com.
3: So yeah, we, we uh, we're continuing the uh, birthing trauma discussion and uh, the uh, never-ending story and how many uh, how much symbolism uh, that shows in that particular movie. I have seen it the movie a few times as a kid, but I never really paid attention to any of that.
6: Yeah, I should probably play for you the um, the music that I did the one year, which interestingly enough uh, for the re- dance studio that I worked for, and uh, I had done um, it was, uh, the theme of the dance recital was books, and uh, these Studio owner had chosen an ever ending story. And <clears throat> I had pieced this beautiful two and a half minute song together with sound bites from the movie. And um, I just remembered, like, like, I cried through the whole thing at the whole time I was making it. And then after she heard it, she got emotional. And I remember the kids were like, not understanding why we were so emotional. So we had movie night and we let them see the movie. And then we had a discussion about it And it was just really beautiful Because like their parents got to talk about it also And they saw the movie And then I spearheaded the whole thing So I got to um, It just ended up becoming This really like bonding experience And then it was crazy Because it was around the same time When COVID happened And and it's the whole like Everything we all once knew Before March of 2020 Had changed It was never going to be the same You know Um,
3: Damage that was already done
6: Right and like People were not understanding why They were feeling a type of way And I said because You know like your guys are used to having a recital In a school And now you have to do it outside And you can't touch anybody You can't touch anything We have to wipe everything down As soon as you get off the stage You know like so, <laughs> excuse me. It was um just really kind of beautiful and crazy and significant. I think also because Stranger Things had just used the Neverending Story in their show. So just the way everything, you know, came together just blew my mind. Just blew my mind. It's kind of beautiful if you could sit back and watch life that way, of how it all really connects. I mean, the fact that. Real quick, Stranger Things in the past season used Journeys um, separate ways. But what's interesting is is how you and I were researching the other day about The Wheel in the Sky, and Journey has a song called The Wheel in the Sky. It keeps on turning. I don't yeah. know where I'll be tomorrow. So it's beautiful how, because their music is so powerful, is so impactful, is full truth. And the fact that, like, <sighs> the way that they like, just got like reignited into the world you know to me is really beautiful cuz then people started deep diving back into their music and started waking up different way about life you know oh
3: yeah 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 <laughs> yeah they're they're bringing back the music and then when when you bring back the music then well people start listening to it again
6: Well, yeah, there's that, and also, like, you know, Kate Bush was running up that hill. Like, her music is extremely impactful. It's beautiful. And the fact that she's finally getting the credit where the credit's due is incredible. And what they did with it was just, it was beautiful. Everything. So, and, you know, I wish, I wish, I mean, I would love to watch the whole season from start till now. Because the amount of stuff that's in there is insane. Because it's based off of a true story about a little girl who was MK ultra so it's all it's all there.
3: What what that's story are you talking about?
6: Stranger Things.
3: Oh okay. Yeah, I uh, I never really watched that, but I did know that there was a MK Ultra um, story to it.
6: Oh yeah. It's all there. So, yeah, which is, anyways, a,
3: which is a whole different topic.
6: Um, well, actually, actually, in the way my world works, now uh-huh. your, your, your foundation of this conversation is childhood trauma, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. trauma. And yeah. that is a very big, significant piece in the one character's uh, memory. That plays a very big part in Stranger Things. And the more and more she's starting to remember, like how she was birthed, how she was ripped from her mother, and all this other stuff, and how her brain like started to remember things.
3: Maybe, maybe, perhaps uh, these uh, MK Ultra people uh, have have some kind of trauma trauma manipulation.
6: usually I find um, because there's also that movie Get Out which uh, talks about that stuff I mean it shows you in the movie how they do it Um, and uh, I find that a lot of these people typically have really deep mother wounds that's typically how it goes the mother wound can come from your great grandmother it will affect your vagus nerve So like, however your grandmother was when she was pregnant with your mother, it's transferred into the vagus nerve. And then however your mother was when she was pregnant with you, it gets transferred to you. So you're carrying all of that. And that's why when your vagus nerve is out of whack, it's important to hum, it's important to make sure that um, you're stretching it accordingly. um, Because if that nerve is that a whack a whole central nervous. System.
3: Yeah. So yeah <clears throat> there is trauma can be uh, trauma can be passed down throughout multiple generations.
6: But that's like it's an actual like it's facts of how those things basically like it can get activated. Like if my mother was yelling a lot I'd say at my father or her mother while she was pregnant with me and then once I'm born and if she's having an argument, I can pick up that vibration and my body will start to have a reaction to it. That's one of the reasons why I don't like to argue with people.
3: I'm sorry, can you, can you say that one more time?
6: Sure, so like if my mom was pregnant with me, for example, and she was like, let's say, arguing a lot with people the whole time, or she was crying and upset um, and then she births me and then I'm hearing these things like her arguing and yelling with people or she's yelling at me um, and it's basically once my vagus nerve picks up that vibration uh, it's almost like a symphony like it, it activates something within your central nervous system and then it goes to your lymphatic system and then it goes to your autoimmune system like everything will just start to shut down okay
3: so are you basically saying uh, saying that say say your mother is in a room and she's arguing with somebody you mm-hmm. can feel it in wherever place that you're particularly at
6: right so it's like knowing your mom is angry with you before she comes home and you can feel it in your body kind of like that like an antenna a
3: Okay, I understand. So that's um you wouldn't consider that any kind of form of telepathy
6: then? I believe it's all connected. So like if you really want um to be able to read a room much better, get your vagus nerve check. Because then you can right. decipher like what's your vibration and what is somebody else's in the room.
3: Yeah, it's some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, um, I never I never thought of it like that.
6: Mm-hmm. But About, do keep in mind that if there is a person, especially a mother, that can tell that just her vibration alone, how she's feeling, can affect her children and she enjoys that, that's where the narcissism comes. It's like, it's like being addicted to the highs and the lows. So it's like screaming and yelling, it's like getting your kids all anxious because you're upset about something. And instead of coming into a room and just saying, mommy's got a headache, you know, can you guys keep it down? Instead, she's just screaming and yelling, keep it down, but not explaining why, when you're normally playing at that level of noise, it hasn't been a problem before. And now you feel like you've done something really wrong when you really haven't. And there are some moms that are like, I'm sorry, I have a migraine. Or some moms that will create such a high anxiety situation. And now the kids are crying. She's yelling. And now the kids feel so bad that they're going to go apologize to the mother. And then the mother gets dopamine relief from it. Oh, it's okay. Mommy will fix it. It's okay. Mommy knows you didn't mean it when really it was her that started it the whole time yeah
3: it's so. definitely there's there's definitely some kind of uh psychological uh ne- neurologi- neural, neurological um uh, connection to that
6: mm-hmm. so yeah <laughs> it's really insane how how it all really works You know, it really is. Like my mom, after she had her brain surgery, if we saw her with sunglasses on, that was just a symbol of moms having a rough day. And we just knew to keep quiet. We knew to just, you know, it wasn't a problem. And if mom was short with us, it was because I had brain surgery. She literally could not help it at times. You know, so... But she made sure me and my sister were seeing a psychiatrist to help us understand that it wasn't our fault. If that makes sense. You know. <clears throat> but I mean it didn't really it like work, but it didn't really work, you know. But
3: <clears throat> yeah, I mean it can be debated right. certainly, uh, that psychologists don't do or don't
6: help? Well, I think, yeah, I I think um, looking back on it, it helped a lot, but I think what didn't help was, like, my grandmother moving in with us and my mom not being emotionally ready for that. And that shifted things in the house. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, that's what I'm saying, like, I don't don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's just a
3: lot of times, but yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, but uh i I do think that this was a great chat, though, about birthing trauma and steps to correct the birthing trauma, and um, I think we also did have a good conversation on um the Aurora and the Colorado Springs. And um, also that uh, gymnastics trial.
5: Mm
3: -hmm. I forget that guy's name. What was that guy's name again? Larry Larry something. You don't remember, dear? Oh, no. No, I don't remember. (laughs) If you just Google. Larry Nassar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but anyways, and and then I believe we did talk a little bit about the uh, the quacks, um, the quacks and nations. So okay. Okay, yeah. it was it was great content, and I think this is would be a good stopping point. Um, we're here at six fifteen. Um did you wanna add anything else? No. No? Okay, great. Well, um I'm looking forward for you to be participating in these uh fakeologist chats and um I this was a great discussion this morning. Um and I want to wish everybody listening uh a happy Thanksgiving, whether you do or you don't. And until next time. Thanks, babe.
5: Yeah, sure. I'm really the and that's all, folks. <laughs>